You're listening to Strong Woman Radio, a sanctuary free of testosterone, save for a few special guests, where ladies who like to lift heavy things can chit-chat about the struggles and success that comes with being a woman in a man-dominated sport. We welcome all listeners of all sports, be it strongman, CrossFit, Olympic lifting, or more. Please send us your own inside girl jokes or questions if you'd like to submit one through the contact form on paleoparents.com. Simply click the podcast dropdown from the top right corner and submit a question or comment under the SWR tab. While you're at it, shop on the sidebar of our blog for our favorite products and recommended partners. Now, let's get to our fearless leaders, two competitive strong women athletes who earned their invites to nationals within the first year of training for the sport. Please remember, Stacey and Vivian's banter is often mindless and should never be taken for professional medical advice. So we're back. Strong Women Radio has returned after several weeks off. Sorry, everybody. Um, I had (laughs) had a book to finish and traveling to do, but Viv and I are super excited to return to Strong Women Radio with our very first guest on the show, and I feel super honored and excited that it's one of my favorite women, Stephanie Gaudreau from Stupid Easy Paleo. Um, don't get freaked out. She's also paleo, but, um, what's really cool about Stephanie is that she's an Olympic lifter. She was previously a CrossFit regional competitor. So she knows all about lifting heavy things and she's written several athletic related books, including her, um, paleo athlete ebook, which is available now on her website, but you can also get her performance paleo cookbook, which is coming out in January. So Stephanie knows a thing or two about being an athletic woman, and we thought it would be fun to have her on as our first guest. So welcome, Stephanie. Hey, welcome. welcome. Super excited to be number one, number one guest. Nobody <laughs> else can take that from you. It's yours <laughs> now. It's done. Love it. That's amazing. Fantastic. I just want to point out that we all have really awesome tattoos. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I just I just went and saw my tattoo artist yesterday and actually he has Hashimoto's. Um and so I was talking to him and, and went in and made my appointment to start getting my my big tattoo colored in as <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> so. Yeah, I remember seeing a picture of you like a you know, behind the scenes shot while you were shooting something and your tattoo was still in an outline and I was like, Oh man, I don't know how she like hasn't been compelled to like go take care of that because it's so addictive as it is, let alone like if you know that you're waiting to finish something. So I'm kind of jet well, it's not my first tattoo by any by any means. It's like number five or something, but the the whole part around my back hurt so much I was like uh I think I'll take a break for a while (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't wait for him to get to my leg because that didn't really hurt very much but the back was bad yeah I didn't know it wrapped around your back I just have seen it on your leg so yeah Yeah, I can honestly say the back is not super fun no especially around the kidney-ish area but I'm just Mm -mm. I only have one and it's like you know my entire back only one that represents a back piece. It is literally her entire back. It's crazy. Cool. So um, the reason, the well, well, not the reason that we're late, but we talked about it earlier. I was late. But Stephanie, you don't know this, but Viv was actually here earlier oh, nice. <laughs> and, and um, left to go home because we talked about maybe recording here, but she had laundry to do. So um, 
we had people over for an open house of our home gym today, House of Gains, which is really super exciting. So we've had quite a lot going on in the Toth McCary house, as I'm sure most people who follow me on social media know. Um, and when I left my gym, you know, a couple of months ago or whatever, I had the intention of creating a home gym, but it is not something that happens overnight. You have to acquire a lot of equipment and you have to prep yeah. the space and all that kind of stuff. So we're finally at a place where we have the equipment and we did the construction that we needed to do. We still have, you know, many things that we need to or want to do, but it's fully operational. So we had an um, open house tonight and I got some really big tires delivered from a guy last Friday. And um, I told him I wanted a 200, 400, 600 and 800 pound tire. But Viv and I are pretty sure that the the big tire that we got is more like a thousand because we both oh, lifted we it. We lifted it together. Yeah. It when awful. we team lifted it, it was still really heavy, which means it's super heavy. So, I mean, at least we could team flip it though. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> it, it, but it like didn't just go up. Like we lingered no. at the hips for a really long time. <laughs> So anyway, um, and then for the rest of the people, so Viv left and then the rest of the people that were here that have been flipping tires, we got in the hot tub and then my alarm went off that I was supposed to be podcasting with you. So sorry about that, but I can at least say that it was lifting related. <laughs> All for a worthy cause. All for a worthy cause for sure. Yes. So how have you been? What have you had going on? Oh, wow. Okay. Jeez. It's been, um, as you know, with book stuff, like once the manuscript and the photos are turned in, it's not like you're done. <laughs> it's like you're done, sort of. But I've been working on some of the other stuff that's going to go in the book and rounding up, you know, some endorsements and getting the forward all, all in. And the forward's going to be done by Rob Wolf. So that's pretty cool. He's yeah, He's definitely awesome. been somebody I've admired and looked up to for a really long time in the paleo world and you know, when I started doing paleo stuff back in like 2009, <laughs> he was one of the, you know, one of like the biggest and only names out that was doing things in paleo at the time. So I'm super honored to have him involved in, in the project. And then, um, yeah, I'm right now just writing kind of a freebie, like kind of thanks for pre-ordering. Here's a fitness and nutrition guide that kind of ties together some of the stuff in the cookbook, um, but stuff that I couldn't write because we didn't have the space for. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I've done a couple of other small projects in the meanwhile and written some blog stuff because it's, you know, when you're writing a book, it's hard to blog new stuff all the time. So just been doing that. Um, changed, my, changed my training up a little bit. My coach and I decided that we weren't going to push for like our last chance qualifier meet to try to improve my qualifying total for the American open. Um, I have like a, just a little bit of a tweaky shoulder right now. So I decided to, uh, to kind of scale some things back, knowing that I'm going to have a lot of stuff coming up this later this fall. And then like into the new year with the book. So I've got my sights set now on 2015, um, masters nationals for weightlifting. So that's kind of my next nice. big, big, huge goal. So we're kind of readjusting my, readjusting my training a little bit and stuff like that. But, you know, I've hit some, some good numbers lately. Um, I'm just kind of retooling my snatch and, uh, you know, it just takes time. <laughs> so 
that's kind of what's going on here. Oh, and I'm going to Thailand next month, which is crazy. So oh, yeah, minor detail, you know. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, gonna get on a plane for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, I uh, last time I flew to Asia was about three years ago and that cross pacific flight is just brutal so <laughs> um but we're going to be doing a seminar at CrossFit bangkok on the 4th of november and then we're kind of taking our group uh paleo nick uh, nick massey and i are going to be taking the group up to chiang mai from bangkok so they're going to spend a week there and then kind of come back and reverse it and go home so mm-hmm. there's that too <laughs> that's just awesome a just a few things <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's really fun, though. Yeah, I saw you were working on your form, I think, on Instagram, which is interesting that you can... It's amazing what we can all, like, tell story-wise in 15-second videos or one photo uh, on Instagram. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think for Viv and I, our sport is so much more brute strength literally like yes there's definitely form to it but then to a certain point it's like just lift it and move you know but um olympic lifting is so much more finite and finesse in terms of the very little variations of movements can make such a huge difference so it's like fascinating to for me because i tangentially tangentially do some olympic lifting obviously we do cleans and whatever but um not nearly to the to the degree that you do. So I enjoy watching you progress. You know, it's interesting. My journey is kind of like my paths have kind of crossed. So I started crossfitting about four, a little over four years ago, and I had never ever done any Olympic lifting until then. I mean, I, when I was in my early twenties, I was kind of a gym rat and, you know, I'd like go rest and like do my bicep curls and all that fun stuff. Um, but I had never had any exposure to Olympic lifting, like even in high school, nothing like that. So when I started CrossFitting, you know, within about six months or so, I was like, I really like this lifting thing, but it's, my form was really not good. And I was obviously a super novice. So I started going to Olympic lifting classes when I, um, uh, was like first starting out. So I was working with the coach that I'm working with right now. And then he left to start his own gym, which is the gym I now go to. And I stayed at Invictus and, you know, did some, a bunch of competition stuff and went to regionals with a team and had a fantastic experience. But then when I came back from living in Scotland earlier this year, I was like, you know, I want to focus on Olympic lifting. It's, it's the most fun part for me. (laughs) So I ended up back with my old coach And it was like trying to then undo like two and a half years of bad habits because, I mean, we we would lift together and occasionally we would have like, you know, Coach Bergner would come down or I'd go up to his house or, you know, we'd just have like different exposure to different Oli coaches. But to really have someone with the experienced eye that, um, you know, my coach has and, and to have that like several days a week is completely different. So Um, it's been 10 plus months now of trying to retool my form and, you know, like learn good habits and unlearn the bad habits. And sometimes it feels like you're taking five steps forward and then like 10 steps backward. And you're kind of doing that whole cha-cha thing, (laughs) hoping that eventually you'll just kind of keep making forward progress. But, um, but yeah, it's, I've done some strongman stuff too. And 
I really like I really liked it because I was like, I can just kind of rip on this, you know, on this axlebar on this stone and just kind of just get it up there and not have to worry so much about technique and stuff like that. But um, but it's all fun to me. I like just lifting heavy things. <laughs> That's why you're such a perfect guest for the show. <laughs> I think that like the Ole lifting stuff translates really well to strongman, like because like from CrossFit you dabble a little bit in Ole, and then with that little bit of Ole, it really does help with a lot of stuff in strongman. Just understanding the basic mechanics of what an Ole lift is supposed to be, <laughs> yeah. and not like like just because like a lot of times. Um, in strongman, even while you're watching the sport, a lot of people do a lot of things differently. And you can see someone who's learned a couple of different things with other sports or other movements that they're translating versus just plain brute strength, inefficient movement, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's cool to get like a different perspective and like that, like learn the value in having a good foundation for basic movements whether it be holy crossfit yada yada yeah oh, ab- absolutely and then just like having a good base of strength underneath all of that is so key so stephanie one of the things that you did this year was go to ahs and i happen to know because i was there <laughs> <laughs> um I thought maybe it would be interesting for our listeners if we basically did a kind of live recap discussion of a lot of the things that we presented at AHS about the benefits of strength training for women. I think that um, we have something like 16 male listeners at this point, but for the most part... Hey, guys. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. We will not talk about vaginas today, I promise. Um... So uh, I think a lot of the things that we talked about obviously translate to men as well, but because it is strong woman radio and our presentation was specific to the benefits for women. um, One of the things that I'm really passionate about getting the word out about is um, bone density and trying to eliminate the osteoporosis that is just becoming more and more rampant as women are aging. Um, And I think that it's both food related as well as exercise related as people become, you know, desk jockeys instead of, you know, farm hands or whatever over the generations. But whatever the case may be, there were a lot of interesting things that I think we talked about that our listeners would gain some knowledge bombs from you. And I didn't, really ask you to give an introduction so maybe I'll do a really poor job of it and you can correct me but um, you come from a science background you used to be a science teacher and I think you're also an NTP um, correct no certified holistic nutrition practitioner okay there so you I haven't go. done I haven't done NTP so you have both a science background as well as a nutrition background in a professional capacity so I think it's kind of an interesting perspective for me personally to hear you talk about the the access of those things and how um, we can use them and also be aware of them. But I think, you know, for putting on your professor hat and talking a little bit um, about the different kind of muscle fibers and the different kinds of movements and how that translate to health and wellness, I think is, is fascinating. And 
would be really cool if you would geek out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, you can kind of summarize it in a really simple way and just say, lift heavy things and put them down and do that on a somewhat regular basis. And by doing so, recruit as much muscle fiber as possible. And you're going to get the most metabolic benefit. I like the short answer <laughs> to all that stuff. And I mean, we can kind of break it down for women in, and I think an interesting way because so much of what women's fitness, and if you kind of strip CrossFit out of it, like CrossFit's kind of changing things for, in terms of women and lifting. But if you kind of take that away, like most women are coming from a perspective of, you know, they've heard lifting heavy makes you bulky or, um, you know, it's just like has a stigma of a man's type of sport or it's something that a guy would do or they're intimidated by the gym atmosphere. Like women are coming into strength training by and large from a totally different perspective compared to a lot of guys. And, and it's even, I think, a stereotype to say that like, you know, oh, all guys are okay with it too because I've talked to a lot of, of guys you know some guys in our gym even and they're like yeah like lifting was kind of hard for me at the beginning and so I think guy, a lot of guys go through some stuff like that too but it's just not as overt um but you know we have as women this kind of like almost fear of lifting heavy and a fear of getting injured and a fear of what it's going to do to our bodies and a fear of how other people are going to see us that automatically kind of puts us at a disadvantage coming into strength training because in order to get really the most benefit out of it, we have to lift heavy. And, and Stacy and I talked about this at AHS, like it doesn't mean that if you see me back squatting 250 pounds, that every woman in the gym has to try to lift 250 pounds. It could be whatever's relatively heavy for that person at that time. So when we say like, yeah, go heavy, lift heavy, do heavy things, like it's all relative to where that person's at at that point in time. And I think that's an important point to kind of get out of the way in the beginning is like we're all at different levels of development in terms of what that means. So um, like that's kind of a, <laughs> an interesting way to frame it. But what, we're, what science is starting to understand is that muscle is incredibly metabolically dynamic and by lifting and producing force, you know, like we're lifting heavy weights against the force of gravity and lowering those weights. Um, the more muscle fibers we can recruit, the more metabolic effect we're going to produce. And the interesting part is that the metabolic benefit then is transmitted to other tissues in the body. So say for example, being able to, um, manipulate body composition. So a lot of times when we talk about body weight, people think, well, I just want to lose weight. But really, I think what most of us in this community mean when we say lose weight is like, you know, gain muscle mass, build bone density, and reduce body fat. So it, it's really kind of like some of the studies that have been done are pretty shocking in terms of the type of metabolic benefit that we get. To, to lifting really heavy. And to get that, you have to activate as much muscle fiber as possible. And you can only really do that by lifting things that are very heavy. So five pound dumbbells aren't really going to cut it. Like the way I explain it is kind of this way. 
um, you've got different types of muscle fibers and like in a really simplistic way, type one and type two. So type one are kind of those slow twitch fibers, um, things that are related to activity you could do for a very long period of time, like walking, right? You could walk all day long if you had to. Um, you'd probably be a little bit sore and have blisters and stuff, but you could walk for a very long time. Those types of muscle fibers don't produce much force. And so you can continue to do that thing for a very long time. Type two fibers are the ones that are more or less called fast twitch. And they're kind of subdivided into different types, type 2A, 2B, 2X, and so on. And to, and they kind of act activate in a sequential way. So like the more force you apply to that movement, so the the heavier the weight, the more of those different types of muscle fibers you're going to recruit. So if we can lift something that's incredibly heavy and involve an eccentric or like a lowering type of movement, so say squatting, right? You unrack the bar, you're going to squat, you have to lower yourself against that force and then you have to stand back up again Um, or deadlifting, right? Those like eccentric movements, are going to activate the most type of muscle fiber. So, and these are generally movements that you can't do for very long, right? Like how many reps are you going to be able to do of your one rep max back squat? <laughs> Probably not very many. So those maximal type of loads, things that are super heavy are going to recruit the most muscle fiber. So that's kind of like a really simplistic way of, of understanding type one and type two. The, the kind of bummer that we see in, in research is starting to kind of look into is that some of that type two muscle fiber over time can be repurposed as type one if it's not used and and put to like active use so are we you know are we actually losing type two kind of explosive muscle capacity as we say become more sedentary and as we age and what what the understanding is, is that, yes, that's actually happening. So as we get older, we tend to not exercise as much or we tend to shy away from lifting weights because we think it's dangerous. Um, you know, not only are we losing the capacity to produce as much force with our muscle, but we're also losing the metabolic benefit and the benefits of other tissues like, say, bone density, like you mentioned. So it's kind of like a lose-lose as you, um, as you get older to not be active in that way. And like walking and, and those types of things are great, but they're really not doing anything for building muscle. Um, so that, that's kind of like what we presented. And then a lot of people asked us, you know, like how often do you have to lift? And, you know, how would I go about lifting? And really like if you're going to be doing the type of lifting that's going to be super beneficial, I mean, to expect that you're going to be able to do that every single day is probably a little bit of an overreach and lifting a few times a week can be super effective. You don't have to lift every single day and lift very heavy as Olympic weightlifters. Like (laughs) there's such a central nervous system demand on what we do that some days you'll go in and you'll just try to lift, you'll just try to snatch and you can't, it's like you can't coordinate your body movement. Um, you know, and maybe you could like go and struggle through some deadlifts and do some squats and stuff, but at a certain point, your movement's going to break down. So expecting that you have to lift seven days a week to get benefit is, is just not realistic. So 
you know, what we talked about at AHS was doing something like if you're a beginner and you're just kind of out on your own looking for something like a linear progression type of strength program where you're going to maybe deadlift, you're going to squat, you're going to press, maybe do some accessory movements, but you're getting that exposure. And linear progression is just, it's not a sexy program. (laughs) Like you're just going to go in and put in the reps and do the work. But for people that are really inexperienced with the barbell, it's incredibly effective, like really, really effective to get gains and to see that you're making progress and to actually become really stronger. Um, that type of program is, is incredibly effective for most people. So, you know, finding a gym or a trainer that you can work with or even just researching something that's like linear progression on your own and appropriately scaling the weight, right? So you're making it challenging. You're not just lifting like five pound kettlebells, like Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, (laughs) I think think it's important that we all agree that our goal is not to be Gwyneth Paltrow because her goal and what she's doing, she's, she's happy with what she's doing. It's just, it's not what I want to be doing (laughs) or what I want to look like. I feel like one of her farts might blow her away. (laughs) I'm just saying. Nothing against that. Please, no, by all like, means. <laughs> I don't have anything against her personally, but I think the message that it sends people is really damaging um, from a health perspective. And, you know, that's what, what we see a lot as bloggers and people who are in, you know, nutritionists and authors. Like, these are the type of people that come to us and they're like, dude, I'm so messed up. Like, metabolically, my hormones are a mess. You know, I'm out there doing lots and lots of endurance type training or I'm doing too much high intensity training and not a lot of like lifting and walking and smart nutrition like these are the types of people that we get and it's it's so hard to not rage against like the nutrition and kind of fitness machine that's out there and say like you know can't we do better for people and I think that's kind of where we're all coming from um, so yeah, like if you want to like rock on Gwyneth, do your thing girl, <laughs> but, um, it's so hard to see people suffer and be unhappy and not, um, be able to take advantage of these things that we know work, right. Because they're afraid and they've heard, you know, their glamour magazine doesn't talk about that sort of stuff or like in shape is talking about lifting one pound dumbbells or whatever it yeah, is. And it's, I think it's, I think to that point though it's this like awful circle of negativity that breeds more negativity because i think the glamour magazines aren't talking about anything else because that's what they think that people want to hear and the gyms aren't offering anything other than you know the 12 pound kettlebell class that's basically cardio for an hour with light weights which is the equivalent to what women did in the 80s with leg warmers and then So the gyms aren't offering better classes because people aren't interested, but the reason people aren't interested is because they're not hearing about it, you know? So it's like this, this terrible circle and part of what, you know, Viv and I are interested in is helping people understand that it doesn't need to be this like vicious circle of not knowing and whatever that, um, you can still get really womanly, shapely curves or whatever the body is that you're interested in from, um, not 
doing that type of low weight, high rep cardio, which is what I think a lot of women are interested in. But more than just looks and appearances, I think, you know, what's important to me and what I take away from Stephanie, from the things that you talked about and what I was interested in sharing with people are really the health benefits of when you're lifting heavy weight, there is legitimate health benefits associated with that. And that can be something that a lot of the listeners can use in their tool belt for when people in their lives complain about it or say you're going to hurt yourself or whatever. Like, okay, well, you can also hurt yourself driving a car. You can also hurt yourself an elliptical machine. Like my mom has bad knees because she did elliptical so much, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, um, well, there are many reasons, but that's exacerbated (laughs) it. But I just feel like um, the idea that people need to understand that there is a long-term health benefit to us in old age, to our metabolism, to our hormones, to our bone density, that is really important just building that, like you described, that type two muscle fiber that when you lift something heavy, meaning you can't lift it 50 times in a row, um, you're giving your body more benefit. So, you know, if you're taking a kettlebell class at the Y, um, maybe look into something else because although we use kettlebells in strength training, if you're, you know, doing a Gwyneth Paltrow program or whatever it is, we just, okay, well, I'll speak for ourselves. I don't think that, um, that is giving you the health benefits of what the, of what we're talking about. So, you know, I think it's important for people to understand that just because there's a weight in your hand or on your body, the type of weight that you're putting on your body and the movement that you're using is really important to the benefit. Don't just think that because there is a weight involved in what you're doing, that it is of benefit to you in the way that you think that it is. And, um, I don't know how to more, more clearly articulate that. And I think that you did a good job. I just, I want to make sure that people understand the, the very important difference between lifting heavy. And for someone that might be a 70 pound deadlift. And for somebody else that might be a 700 pound deadlift, like it really just depends on, on the person and where they are and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's not to say that you need to be a heavyweight strong woman competitor like Viv and I, or even, (laughs) you know, a master's Olympic weightlifter like Stephanie or whatever it is. It's just that if you're, if you're interested in the health benefits that we're talking about, um, Making sure that you're doing it um, the right capacity and the right um, weight is super important to achieve those benefits. Yeah, so I, I think to kind of summarize what what you're saying is, like what we talked about in the presentation was really to get the benefit that research indicates from strength training, people need to think about a heavier, lower rep type of lifting scheme. And that's like something you're going to see in a linear progression or, you know, like even for what we do, like as Olympic lifters, we might do a set of three or two or one, um, of whatever lift we're doing, um, versus something that's really low weight earlier. Like I can do this, you know, uh, I could do this squat like 25 or 30 times. And if, if you think about it, okay, I can do air squats, right? How many air squats could I do before my quad seize up and I fall over? Like a few hundred? Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay, so like you're going to get some muscle activation there, but I can air squat all day. That's a really relatively lower weight 
super high rep thing. Now put a 200 pound barbell on my back and I'm going to be significantly more challenged. So, you know, the type of things we're talking about are heavier weight, lower rep type training. So in the ballpark of maybe like one to five reps and, you know, obviously you'll have a, a certain number of sets to complete, but those kind of maximal like efforts are going to be one or two maybe um, as you're going through your workout. So, you know, avoiding them. And then on the flip side of that, sometimes we'll get people that try to lift super heavy every single day. And what we talked about in the presentation was, you know, more, more isn't more. There's like a minimum effective dose that it takes to actually get the response and to get the metabolic benefit and to get the hormonal benefit and all that stuff that we, all the good stuff we talked about, but more doesn't necessarily equate to more benefit there. And it can actually lead to overuse and, you know, overtraining and injury a lot faster than if you're just doing it in the, in a slightly sane way. So, um, you know, cause I know a lot of people that, that I've run across in my experiences and I used to race bikes and it was just as bad in mountain biking and road riding. And it's, it, it's true across all disciplines is you'll get the people who are so, um, they're so into training and it's really important to them, which is great, but they, they over, they way overdo it and then they get sick or they get injured and, um, you know, then they're trying to rehab and stuff like that. So like, you don't always have to go crazy and do, the more is more mentality to get that benefit. And I think that's kind of important, even as you get a little bit older, I know my priorities have changed a little bit. I'm still really, for me, exercising and, and I guess training and having a goal, it's more than just exercise to exercise, like participating in a sport and training is really still very important to me. And it's, it's one of the ways I identify myself. Um, but I understand now that as I'm older, when I was 20, I could do things a lot differently now than, than I'm 35. I mean, it's just, it's not the same. So I understand now that I don't need quite as much, um, training time actually to get a good benefit. And I need more recovery time between, between kind of like max efforts. So, you know, even as individuals, we kind of change over time and certainly as we age, those recovery factors and stuff like that have to be considered, but generally, you know, heavier weight, lower rep type stuff is going to be, um, pretty beneficial for people. And, you know, all the things that you mentioned, hormones and blood sugar and metabolism. And even, um, I know when we were at AHS listening to Jamie's presentation about, just as we get balance and coordination and flexibility and stability are, you know, we can't take those for, for granted anymore. And so if we're strength training in a way that's actually meaningful, then we're going to be building those capacities as well. what do you think, Viv? It's a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> no, I think like too, like, um, just to, I mean, uh, uh, Aside from all the sciencey stuff, because I have nothing to contribute in that sense, but <laughs> but as just um, just getting women to starting to lift heavier things, it's kind of funny because we saw it tonight, um, Stacey at your house. We it, the first thing they want to say is I can't. They don't want to like, say it. They say it over and over again. Yeah. And then 
and then they do it and they're like, oh crap, I can. Or like, and it's funny because like I have this weird thing where I'm like, go touch the refrigerator or tonight was go touch the Prius. But it's just like to get your mind off of thinking that it's too heavy and can't is allowed in the vocabulary when it comes to lifting for women and just letting them like for that one second, just making sure it's off their mind and then to get them to lift something and then them do it and then see their faces light up like, holy crap, I did that. It's just like a whole nother world for them. So it's just kind of funny to like watch someone go from, okay, this is conventional knowledge that lifting is going to make me bulky and weird. And then seeing them empowered when they finally do lift it and they're just like, oh, I'm empowered. I can do this. I'm a woman and I'm no less of a woman now that I've lifted this heavy thing. So that's just me. It's interesting that you bring that up because that was like the, the third component of our presentation was Stephanie had done a poll with her, um, social media page and, um, the responses that came back were astounding in the mental benefits for women of strength training. So we've all been talking about physical. We haven't even touched on, um, the emotional and the mental benefits that come with it, but that sense of empowerment and accomplishment, um, like you said, just today, seeing two of my friends who'd never flipped a tire before and weren't sure that they could, and they started out in the small 200, and we put dumbbells in it, and we let them build up, and we were like, okay, you're you're ready, you can hit this 400-pound tire. No, no, I can't, I can't, no, I can't, and then they do, and it it translates, I think, into life when you do it you know, as a training routine, that you become aware of how much capable you are in general and not just flipping a tire. Like it becomes symbolic and you feel empowered and accomplished and um, energized and have just a zest for life in general. I I think when you know how much you're capable of and and, um, you want to fight for something, like you learn to fight for it. And I think that there is a a huge component to that being just as valuable as the health benefits. Because I think as we live our life, we should be doing so. Um, uh, well, Stephanie, I'll let you say your line because I think it's just awesome. And I've used it, I think plenty of times before when you haven't been around. So, um, Oh yeah. Healthy, happier and harder to kill. There you go. So I, I think the happier part's really important. Like to me personally, lifting has brought me joy. Like it, it helps me, um, not just regulate my hormones, which actually, you know, the endorphins and the oxytocin and all those kinds of things that kind of run through your body when you do something, um, heavy and you feel accomplished, but also, you know, it's taught me a lot about my own self-confidence and, you know, for me personally, I went through a huge body transformation where I had been really sick and extremely obese my whole life. And I lost over a hundred pounds and did that all through eating and hadn't, you know, done any sort of physical activity and still had this sense in my head, like, well, I hadn't done enough and I hadn't lost enough. And, you know, I felt like, ashamed to be some person in health community still being an overweight person. And then I started lifting and I started realizing, no, I, I eat when I need to eat. And now I'm also exercising and I'm really strong and I'm becoming an athlete. 
and my body is what it is and I'm okay with that. Like it has brought about um, self-esteem for me, but it also enables me to have self-respect for myself because I know that when I drink and when I eat crappy foods that it affects my body and I see that in my training. And so it's taught me to respect my body even more. And I think that that concept and idea is something that I try to talk about a lot and try to encourage women to find for themselves because it's been so incredibly powerful and important for me. And I think you touching on that and also Stephanie and I touched on that in our AHS thing, I think it's really important to kind of drill that in as being super it's like I'm doing hand talking right now and I'm sh- I got jazzy hands and I'm like, it's so important. I just don't know. I'm trying to get you to do it. Just do it. You're um, doing like the hand raise. Yes. I'm totally <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yes. I think it's really important and it kind of takes, you know, continues with what you were talking about there. But yeah, like the responses that we got were just, I mean, like past the tissue box, man, they were, they were so just so touching. And I definitely like heard a lot of myself in, in a lot of those responses that we got, but I think it's really important to kind of understand, like having a community of like-minded people to go through that with is really, really key, I think. And it's not to say that somebody out there with a home gym or, who's kind of like lifting at uh, just a regular kind of like 24-hour fitness or planet fitness, like can't experience those things because they certainly happen. But finding, I think, the right strength and, tr- strength and conditioning facility, no matter what kind of gym it is, like, but just where there's a bit more of a community can be, can really make that difference for people. And I think a lot of that has to do with the responses that we saw in some of the women who were really like, I, I found this like sisterhood of other women or, you know, other people that were like me and it was okay to be myself around them. And they, you know, this place that I train values being strong and, you know, I don't know if you get that at every gym and every facility, like, Right. right. So I think, there's kind of a difference, um, you know, and being your own kind of individual and, and doing your own training at, on your own can be, can be great. And you can certainly set PRs and push yourself, but there's just something to be said about the community aspect of what we do. And like the gym that i that I'm at. And I mean, you ladies were, you know, at a gym as well. And I think that's just so key. Um, yeah, I hundred percent agree with you on that. I mean, like I train with Nicole now and she, I call her my sister wife because we're always together. We're, we're talking like, we know way too much about each other in the short time we've known each other, like each other's body fat percentage and all kinds of nonsense and our weird goals. And it's kind of funny because, um, like without having a, a female community like that, like when I was in a CrossFit gym before I was, I had a bunch of friends who had goals where they wanted to get faster at workouts or heavier workouts. And I got to be able to, um, at least talk to them about my goals and them understand, like, for me, it's not all about being the tiniest or the fastest or whatever. My personal goal was my personal goal. And they understood that cause they had their own personal goals. And it was really nice to have like Bianca and um, Glenda and all my old CrossFit friends and 
I miss them, but um, it's nice now to have the same thing and being able to talk to Stacy and Nicole or when when I don't see either one of them in the gym or when they don't see me in the gym, they're like, where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you training? That kind of stuff. It makes a huge difference in me wanting to make sure I get my head back in the game and continuing what makes me feel good, even though that day I feel lazy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And even in the context of my own home gym, like the kids and Matt are almost always out there with me, either cheering me on or spotting me back squatting, obviously not the kids, but <laughs> you know, in in some sort of capacity we've created our own community and I would never have been comfortable doing this a year ago. You know, I think that um having the foundation and the knowledge of okay, I trust myself enough to know the right way to do these movements and, you know, getting programming, um, in order to make sure I continue my progression. And I'm still part of the community in, you know, working out with other people, inviting people to the gym. And then on Sundays going to a a regular strongman gym and being part of that community. Like I, I think even in the capacity of opening my own gym, like, and, and all the money and work that went into that, I'm still not able to let go of that community because it is so important, but it's also really fantastic for me personally to be able to have dinner with my family and then go work out in the strongman gym, which is something that I couldn't do before because I literally didn't get to see my family, um, on the days that I was at the gym. So, you know, I think we all have to kind of prioritize and how to make it work. And I think that's one of the other things that I would say that we hear often from people is that they would love to do it, but, and I just feel like for me, I have such a passion for, for food and making sure that people understand how important it is to nourish their bodies with food. And I feel the same way about, you know, taking care of your body and respecting it with physical exercise. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that stupid article about the um, woman in the UK who was complaining about wanting subsidies for non-junk food because um, it was hard to afford to not eat junk food on a um, minimum wage or whatever. And she was saying that she tried swimming, but it was, you know, whatever, $50 a month. And so she couldn't exercise. And I just, you know, it's like there's so many things about that article that graded on me, as I'm sure there were with everybody. But for me personally, it was really frustrating because I'm like, well, you can go on a walk around the neighborhood with your two daughters. like you. And I'm not saying that that's going to give you the, the muscle strength that we're talking about. But there are a lot of things that we can all do if we really want to commit to, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then you say, okay, now how am I going to make it happen? Like, you know... Viv told me earlier today she has a goal of getting a 200-pound strict press. Like, that's not something that's just going to manifest itself. Like, that's a goal that she has, and it's a long-term goal, and it'll – I hope it's a long-term goal. (laughs) It's going to take a lot of hard work on her part, and she's going to commit to it. And I think it's the same thing with, like, if you you listen to this podcast or if you decide, you know, I want to – I, you know, I'm, I'm all inspired after I listen to the podcast and then two days passed and I haven't done anything and I'm eating ice cream on my sofa. Like that's not going to help you, you know? T- so take this moment to think to yourself, okay, this is something I want to do now. How am I going to make it happen? And you know, whether it's joining planet fitness, which I think is like $5 a month or making time in your schedule, if it's not a money thing, it's a time thing. Those are the two complaints that people always have, you know, figure out 
how you're going to make it happen. For me personally, I have to make a lot of sacrifices in my own life in order to train. You know, if someone tells me they're too busy to train, like they don't know me because they would not be saying it to me personally. A mom of three, I have a full-time job, I run a blog, I write cookbooks, I have two podcasts. Like if I can find time to train, then everybody can find time to train. But you have to commit to yourself that you're going to do that because it's really easy for me every day to say, oh, I'm tired. I don't have time. I could be doing these eight other things. Like I've committed, this is what I'm going to do because I want to be healthy and I want to be strong and I want to be happy, healthy, harder to kill. So that means I have to go bust my butt in a gym. Um, I just had like a huge soapbox tangent, but I'm, I'm just tired of hearing people be like, yeah, it's so great for you. You get to do that. I can't. And you know, it's, yes, you can. You have to figure out how to make that happen in your life. Nobody else can do that for you. I mean, for I think it's definitely a choice. At the end of the day, no matter what, like, okay, you can choose to do one thing or the other. I mean, I've sat, I mean, being 26, I can do a lot of other things, go out to bars, go out to happy hours and all kinds of nonsense. And everyone's like always asking me where I'm going. I'm like, I'm going to the gym. <laughs> like, that's, that's where I'm going. That's where my health is. Because, I mean, I, if I have nothing, it's my health and Lord knows I need to learn how to eat better, but <laughs> I'm going to work. I'm going to work on that. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get there eventually. I babe. don't even eat like three square meals right now. So I'm just like, all right, I'm slowly getting there again. Cause I went full paleo and like gung ho, like crazy paleo, not like healthy paleo. <laughs> so, and then I lost too much weight and then I got pissed off. She means like, no carb paleo. That's what she went crazy paleo mm. means no carb paleo no carb paleo and i lost too much weight too fast and i couldn't lift anything and i got mad i was furious <laughs> see that's why i that's why i warned <laughs> stephanie what you meant by crazy paleo because that's not what stephanie would have told you to do <laughs> i know did and you ever did you ever utter the phrase paleo didn't work for me yeah oh surprise, surprise. <laughs> shocker i know i think like now i'm like doing better at not doing the gluten and cutting out the sugar but it's still like you know I'm still very a sad dieter <laughs> but she was here today and I fed her Peruvian chicken and yucca and plantains and I mean... then we had um pumpkin whoopie pies after because I was working on a blog post and Nicole who's also a paleo blogger brought over something she'd made for her blog I think she was calling them apple pie bars and Viv was like yes this is delicious I'm like this could this can work for you I swear like I know it can work for me like when I eat just strictly Vietnamese food like what I've been doing since I've got back from all of my trips my body just feels better and Vietnamese food in general is just like rice vegetables meat soup <laughs> you know i'm yeah well you have like you have stuff. traditional preparation in your house too like the fact mm -hmm. that your family makes traditional vietnamese food with broths and i think you told me there was tripe or something in it like organ meats and in, in there like that's some yeah that's some good powerful stuff yeah so when i'm eating like that i'm generally like way better off than like when i'm at work and i'm just like in panic mode thinking i'm not gonna eat or what i do is i'll sit there and I'll eat my breakfast, and then I won't eat lunch until 2 or 3 because I'm a ding-dong. 
<laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I'm training tonight. I need to eat or I'm going to pass out. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm terrible at eating on a terrific schedule. <laughs> so here's what I think we should do. I think because Stephanie could talk for way more than one hour on eating and performance <laughs> and how paleo isn't necessarily low carb or high carb um, and what it may or may not be best for especially an athlete to go no carb. Vivian. <laughs> um, I think we should invite Stephanie back if she's willing to have us after being our first <laughs> guinea pig to uh, maybe come back and talk about eating for performance at a later date. But um, I, not to, you know, cut you off. I want to hear some final words, but I think the, the stuff that we've talked about today, I, we've talked about a whole lot in a short amount of time, but I think are kind of super important to me and some of my favorite topics to talk about. So thanks for, for joining us today and talking about those things. And hopefully you'll come back and talk about food and smack them around and tell her to eat more carbs. <laughs> I would love to. I know she's over there like shaking her fist at me being like, why did she say that phrase? <laughs> Well, Stephanie and I both know why, and it's because the original founders of Paleo wrote the manifestos that they wrote for people who were metabolically deranged and sick, like I was many <laughs> years ago. And, you know, that approach works well for most people for, you know, a minimum amount of time. But trying to do that, in my opinion, you know, long term, and by long term, I mean more than a year. Or trying to do that if you have different goals, like trying to be strong, it's not those those approaches weren't written with that intention. And you know, I just think nobody in the paleo community these days, I think, would tell you that there's a one size fits all in terms of what works for everybody. Even Rob Wolf himself has said, you know, that it just it's not wasn't written for athletes, and athletes need more more carbohydrates. So um, it's just. The unfortunate, the way the cookie crumbles sort of thing in terms of, you know, audience and marketing and, and all that sort of stuff. But the, the good news is, is that there's we'll, a solution to my pain. Yeah, we'll get there. That's, <laughs> that's the good news. <laughs> Would you disagree with that, Stephanie? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Cool. So do you have any, um, final thoughts for us and while I was busy having a soapbox and waving my hands like a crazy lunatic that you didn't get an opportunity to say no I think we covered it pretty well um you know just to to try to encourage people if they're still kind of weary Larry leery not Larry leery about getting out and and trying some straight training like you know, do some research, ask some questions. If you know somebody that goes to a place, just go check it out and see what it's like. Like you don't have to commit to the first place you go to, but find a place that kind of matches the vibe that, that you're feeling. Like if you go to a place and it's like super aggro and you're like, Oh my God, I don't feel like I belong here. Then find another place. Um, And, and kind of just do your homework, you know, reputable, if they're going to throw you into 
you know, something that's way outside your comfort zone, like to the point where it's causing you distress, <laughs> it's probably not the right place for you, but, um, you know, everybody's a little bit different. So some people thrive on like a super big challenge and other people need more of like a kind of step-by-step introduction. And, um, I would just encourage people to get out there and start doing things. You know, it's, it's truly like really never too late, but the, the sooner you start, the better, especially as we all continue to get older. Um, you know, don't wait too long. Just get out there and, and start looking into things now and, go move some heavy things around. It's really fun. For sure. It's fun for me. Viv, how about you? You know, it's a thing. (laughs) We were both covered in mud earlier today because we got these big tires and they had been sitting outside in some field somewhere for a long time. And then Matt power washed them and they hadn't dried before we all started flipping them. So like we were like literally from neck to knees covered in dirt and mud and that's fun like it's it's just fun it just feels like being a kid again so i could like try new things and not have to worry about anyone being like what the heck are you doing <laughs> except for like those people that drove by but you know whatever <laughs> yeah don't oh my gosh <laughs> you should see the people in our neighborhood i want to like put a hidden cam out <laughs> take video of these people staring at us as we work out in the driveway because i live in total suburbia like it's not even a little bit not suburban it's like crazy it's very suburbia <laughs> yeah it's like one step away from the Truman Show a little bit and and that's cool for us that's you know we've got three small kids but it's a bit intense for the neighbors I think <laughs> to see me mm-hmm. to see there were four women in the driveway at one point flipping really big tires and there were people that were driving by who were like trying to pretend that they weren't staring and they would slow down and like turn their head and they were clearly staring but then there was one car that drove stop. by <laughs> they literally stopped and like and just gawked they were gawking at them <laughs> like Viv waved and then they waved back. And I was, I looked at Matt and I was like, do you know them? And he's like, Nope. <laughs> like, All right. So cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Steph. And sure. we will arrange something for you to come back and school Viv and, and everybody <laughs> else. And maybe if paleo quote unquote, didn't work for them because they went no carb, maybe we can, uh, try it again in a different sort of way mm-hmm. um because ideally meat and vegetables should work for everybody but you know so um yeah if you're looking for stuff you can find her at stupid um again her books are the paleo athlete which you can find now and get more information if you don't want to wait for her to come back to talk about a better approach to paleo if you're an athlete called the paleo athlete. I know it's a little bit, uh, you don't know where she came up with the name for the book. (laughs) Um, and then she's got the performance paleo cookbook coming out in January. So highly recommend that you check her out. She's got all kinds of recipes, but on as well, she's got some informational type posts on her, her stuff. And I love following Stephanie on Instagram. So you should do that as well. And you can find our AHS talk on YouTube. We'll have Monica put in a link in the show notes. So if you're a little bit like, what, what did you say? Which hormones? What? (laughs) Um, You can go actually watch the talk and get all that information with actual presentations and information that we put together in a little more eloquent way. Brad, thanks for having me on. Cool. Woohoo. Yeah.
yeah guest number one done you win <laughs> stay, <laughs> stay strong everybody you win <laughs> <laughs>